Hello and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. I have always been in awe of those who are in the medical profession, whether it's doctors, nurses, anyone who does that type of work, I am extremely thankful for, and I'm sure you are too. But especially for those in a Catholic context with a Catholic faith background, I am just overjoyed that we have such practitioners. And Sheena Devota is one of those people. Sheena is a nurse in the city of Vancouver, and she serves at a few different hospitals in the Lower Mainland. And she was able to sit down with me to talk a little bit about what it means to be a medical professional with a faith background and how those worlds can sometimes collide, but also be an extremely profound way to demonstrate and witness to the faith. Hello, Sheena. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? (laughs) I'm so good. Thank you for joining me. I know it's really hot. It's a very stuffy room, but thank you for being here nonetheless. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Well, first, I was wondering if you could start by uh, just sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do right now. I would like to say I am, uh, quote, a human merely being, unquote, from one of my favorite poems by E.E. Cummings. So there's that. But uh, in that poem, he actually talks about God. So how could tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted within the know of all nothing, human merely being, doubt, unimaginable you. I'm a human. I also currently work as a nurse, a registered nurse in a couple of city hospitals around here Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, where I've worked for, um, I guess it's my ninth year now. Wow. The kind of nursing I do is just general nursing, um, general surgery, thoracic, and I've also worked in uh, orthopedics and just medical units. So nothing as glamorous as the ER or the ICU (laughs) or the neonatal ICU. Some of my uh, dear friends are in those fields. Mm. Um, But um, so I would be the type of nurse you see if you have to have a piece of your bowel removed uh, because of surgery Mm -hmm. or if they have to remove a a cancer in your lung Mm, um, and then just have to stay in the hospital for a few days um, and such. So there you go, for for example. There you go. So, yeah, it's been fun, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to say the least. So I guess uh, I'm excited to talk about that today. Yeah. And and I will say too, I mean, you say not as glamorous, but all the same, super important. I'm excited to chat with you about it as well. And I guess I was wondering, you've been a nurse for already nine years. Was that always the plan for you? No, I, 
maybe it was God's plan for me, but mm-hmm. I think um, when I was like a ch- like grade eight or mm-hmm. grade nine, uh, my parents thought, why don't you become a nurse? Because they're Filipino. <laughs> uh, neither of uh, my parents are nurses, but they just put that forward as an option because mm-hmm. I think they thought that might be a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was like, my reaction was, no, I hate blood. <laughs> and then, and then like left it at that. But later, I uh, was able to volunteer at the blood bank. No longer so scared, and just throughout school, I was able to volunteer through like career preparation. I had to fulfill certain hours, mm-hmm. so I was thinking about perhaps teaching or nursing, and so. I was able to experience um, different volunteer opportunities that allowed me to see that it could be a great career fit for me. Mm-hmm. And so even throughout university, I wasn't still sure, but in my own faith life, like God just opened doors for me and showed me that that was where I needed to be at that time. Yes. That's... Yeah. When you say that it was like God's plan, like he opened so many doors. Like, I love that. And I think that, you know, because I was even I was writing up an intro for another episode just now and thinking about how there was a previous interviewee that was mentioning. Yeah. Like every time we come up with plans, God laughs or, you know, he'll you know, he, he kind of like looks at us in a very endearing way. And he's like, oh, but like I've got something better for you. And I was wondering, like, you know, parallel to that, what was your faith journey like? Um, so I was kind of raised uh, Catholic. My family went to Sunday Mass every week. Um, we, Our parents made sure to prioritize that we would pray uh, like every night together as a family. Um, and when we're all in town, we they still try to like encourage us to do that. So we mm-hmm. do. We're all able to be together. So grateful for that. Even though sometimes it's just like a quick, just feels like a rushed a few prayers together, spoken really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think uh, it's been very uh, good for me that they've um, really encouraged that um, kind of habit in our family. Mm-hmm. However, late high school to early university, I, like in some ways, I felt like I was leading a double life, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. um, and struggled with sin a lot uh, during a certain period of my life, especially. I'm just really grateful that I was in a community that, like uh, in a school and and with friends in a uh, faith community that was able to inspire me, Mm -hmm. like young people whose lives were transformed. I was also able to just learn about how good God is from them and just to have a, uh, to be inspired by faith that's very alive. And yet also um, really appreciating our Catholic faith through um, some theology courses I was able to take Mm -hmm. through a private uh, Catholic college. And also uh, Catholic Christian outreach was like a really uh, important uh, part of my faith journey during a certain time of my life. At a critical time of my life, I also encountered the teachings of the theology of the body by St. John Paul II just like through Christopher West and some of his um, talks as well. Mm-hmm. And through those, I just experienced a lot of um, uh, opportunity for reflection, food for thought, and also healing. Just from mm-hmm. learning about our original personhood, God's plan for us, that he's calling us to something greater, that there's so much more we, ha- we can learn about him and what he has to teach us through our human bodies, through creation, and also mm-hmm. through what love is. Like that love is free, total, faithful, and fruitful. And like how much our culture really 
like needs to hear that like mm-hmm. what it really is love like is it just following up our, on our passions or is it also is there something more like mm-hmm. and and just listening to St. John Paul II um so many amazing like nuggets of wisdom and he just calls us to holiness like a holy person calling others to join him to on this journey and then just giving us so much food for thought like we for example we are given ourselves as a task and a gift I still think about what St. John Paul II means Mm -hmm. when I like kind of reflect on my life for example what does it mean for me to be given myself to myself as a task and a gift in the sense that like he has given me everything that I have like talents and maybe even heartaches and mm-hmm. and the joys and friendships and everything like that and and everything is just a gift from God but then also <laughs> it's like sort of an assignment like mm-hmm. he's given me all these and and I have now like the freedom and the opportunity to create with that or right. like not necessarily things, items, crafts, mm-hmm. but like also opportunities, memories, moments, I, things like that. And also maybe even to um, like a task of, for example, recognizing within myself ways in which I can grow like in virtue or recognizing that I have pride and then um recognizing areas of growth and mm-hmm. and um, ways in which I can be more humble or ways in which I can connect with others better and in a more authentic and real way mm-hmm. or, or ways in which I can love another with the main goal of of going to heaven. Each human is constantly being called and invited to heaven, like to the supper of the Lamb, like every person that's ever been born and will ever be yes so that brings me to today and I think like you know theology of of the body (laughs) like you said there is so much love that comes into it there's like that love and giving of ourselves and you know when I think about what professions there are in the world where it's like you know how much of yourself you're giving of course there are so many professions where you give of yourself honestly the one that rises to the top for me is nursing because you know I think about I have a couple friends who are nurses and I think about the long hours that you will have to work you know the struggles that you might have to encounter like you there's a lot of emotional labor that goes into being with people who you know are sick or they aren't doing well and journeying with their families as well so Mm -hmm. What keeps you going when it comes to all the difficulties that comes with that job of nursing? Okay, so thanks, thank you for bringing up the fact that it's a very giving profession. Mm-hmm. I personally think that moms have the most giving, if you call it a profession, sure. vocation. They're, it's 24 hours since before the child is born. So <laughs> thanks, mom. Yeah. Uh, until never. Uh, there's never an ending because mm-hmm. like, they will always be a mom like mm-hmm. until like there literally is a complete change and I'm grateful that I get to witness like some incredible moms who are also co- like my coworkers, and mm-hmm. it's, I'm always amazed by their strength and resilience and how they go through the long hours as well there's a danger in professions like nursing that that's a giving profession nursing mm-hmm. or maybe even like missionaries and things like that to experience burnout so I do want to like address that as a caution because like it is important to make time for oneself to at least understand one's limits 
not just for the sake of oneself, but also for the people that one's caring for. Mm -hmm. So compassion fatigue and and burnout, they're real like things. However, I'm, I am grateful that I get to serve patients and families and, and God through my own profession mm-hmm. in so many different ways. Um, the things that have I found that have overwhelmed me include just like thinking too far ahead. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like we like all we can do is think about, okay, I'm just going to show up today. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm like even to the hour. Like I just need to make it through this hour. That seems very stressful. Like I think this patient's not doing so well. <laughs> Let's make it through. What can I do right now? How who can I ask for help if I need help? And how can I comfort this person who might be anxious right now during this time? Mm-hmm. So like not letting the whole scope of everything that could possibly go wrong deter me from what needs to be done at this moment. Mm-hmm. And all of that is, like, from the mercy of God. Because, like, I don't think I was, like, necessarily created that way. But it's just things that can you kind of, like, learn from other people as well. And mm-hmm. also um, trying to have your own um, rituals and habits and prayer that works for you. Like, mm-hmm. an, a certain kind of prayer or an offering on the way to work or something like that. Or if you need to take a moment and just step away from something so that you can maybe not uh, be angry at a patient or just to be able to, like, function well. So nursing is, like, a, one of those professions. Uh, there are other professions, too, where um, you need to be, like, a lifelong learner. There's mm-hmm. always something new. Like, you don't know everything. It's mm-hmm. impossible. There's always something new and different. And so I I have the personality that I enjoy meeting people, and I think learning about different things is cool and interesting. So mm-hmm. I enjoy that about it. And very, very importantly, is a workplace that has a really good workplace culture mm-hmm. that's not toxic, um, that has good teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm grateful for that. That's not something that people can, can always control. Um, and I'm just grateful for the actual like work from the day to day that I that people around me are are kind and also like inspiring and they are thoughtful and um, appreciative of other team members, no matter what faith background they have, there's like that sense of collegial respect, which I sincerely appreciate. So that keeps me going on on the day to day for just in the general of life. Like I I can't believe I've been a nurse for like eight, for eight and a half years Mm -hmm. going into nine. But I know that like my story is not over yet mm-hmm. and and it's exciting because God's full of surprises. So I guess that that keeps me going still <laughs> and, and it keeps me wondering, oh, what's what's around the corner? Mm-hmm. Like and could it be the same? Could it be different? I'm not sure, but that's kind of exciting too. Lastly and most importantly, being able to learn and grow my faith and um, also other projects and relationships around me. So it's important to mm-hmm. to, to make space for other like pursuits and um, and to share mm-hmm. other gifts one might have that's not necessarily in one's profession or like so yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess like in terms of your experience as a nurse, I was wondering if you could maybe share one of the more rewarding experiences that you've had there's some experiences that one will never be able to know like how how that played out in in someone's life like something that they've done Mm -hmm. that's ever like played out sometimes uh patients aren't doing well perhaps they are really 
they have cancer and they're near the end of their life and they pass away with us. We do our best. I don't know. Only God knows if we've done our best. And hopefully the reward is that that patient felt like they were cared for. When a patient experiences post-operative delirium, which it can be caused by many different short-term and treatable things. Patient mm-hmm. is confused. Maybe they're climbing out of bed. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're saying things they regret later or don't remember. Yeah. Maybe they're swearing at you or throwing things. And usually it doesn't necessarily affect the elderly. Usually um, older adults are more susceptible to experiencing post-operative delirium for a, a variety of reasons, but young people do as well. Um, and it's always rewarding when afterwards, when we've treated whatever it is, hyponatre- like hyponatremia or their fever or something like that, they, they become themselves again. And it's always great to see that resolve and then it's, that part is rewarding to me. So mm-hmm. I remember those moments when there's a patient who is not so kind or, <laughs> or, um, or who was quite a handful, for mm-hmm. example. And yeah, it's kind of rewarding when they're kind of well and they go home. I just enjoy chatting with people mm-hmm. um, and just hearing their stories. So I love connecting with them or like laughing. I enjoy if I should get to share a laugh with a patient. One of the patients, for example, told me she, how excited she was to, to uh, have her son come with her favorite grandkids. And then she's saying, oh, it's amazing and ironic how things work out because the first few months of pregnancy with this particular child, she was crying because she didn't want to have any more children. Mm. And now at the end of her life, uh, his children are actually her favorite grandkids and they visit her all the time. (laughs) So I love hearing just how different people's stories Mm -hmm. are and um, making really meaningful connections Mm -hmm. with uh, patients. Yeah. I feel like now, I think more than ever, just with the evolution of science, you know, there are so many changes to our healthcare system. And of course, there are so many good things that come about from it. But then, of course, there's also things that come about in healthcare and healthcare ethics and abortions or euthanasia. I I feel like that will probably come up a lot in healthcare. And, you know, as a Catholic nurse, how do you navigate discussions in what could be a very, you know, like socially or like politically charged minefield? It's hard with the euthanasia Mm -hmm. issue, especially... I think with abortion, it's a little bit different Mm -hmm. unless you work in a center that provides abortion. Mm -hmm. It's not always available everywhere. Not all patients will be, could potentially be asking for abortion. Now I think all patients could potentially ask for euthanasia. According to the eyes of the government, we're required to make a referral or provide further information. And in, in a lot of health authorities, they've created ways in which uh, there would be teams assessing those things. And in dealing with this issue, when I've um, come across it and encountered it Mm -hmm. among people who are thinking about it for themselves, the first thing I do is to pray for them, for whatever it is that's aching inside of them, that's making them kind of seek this as like an option for them praying for their families and also for just their healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, listening, really trying to make time to be there just to listen 
if they're willing to talk about that. Not necessarily about what their desires are for euthanasia, but maybe just listening to what their story is. Uh, I really like to hope and believe that even if some of coworkers, colleagues are, are supportive of always the euthanasia, I really like to believe and hope and, and see still. Mm. I, I do see that healthcare advocates are still aware of the potential for abuse and, and coercion into others' lives to making that kind of a decision. Mm. So I would like to hope that will always be the case that all healthcare providers will always be aware of any external coercion. But all I have for you right now is firstly prayer and secondly like listening to them and just praying that they'll change their mind or or experience a peaceful death prior to making such a decision for themselves um, because there's not only are we talking about like sin of, of that there's also the lo- like what a lost opportunity for just experiencing being received and like God's mercy I think Mother Teresa was right like when she was referring to like maybe like we are rich even in this I can't I wish I could quote her but mm-hmm. um the greatest poverty is that of loneliness. Yep. Um, I think in so many ways, people are experiencing sickness and and just loneliness um, as well. Maybe if it's maybe it's unexpressed, or maybe there's um, something that's really aching inside of them mm-hmm. um, that would make them make such a decision. But in addition to poor palliative and healthcare resources and other things like that which hopefully we can work on and continue to hopefully improve i think the fact that it's so it's asked for so much now mm-hmm. is i mean it's a symptom of like the culture of death mm-hmm. and i wish i had answers for you on like how to like perfectly navigate this it's something that myself and other healthcare providers mm-hmm. are like constantly like having to struggle with about how to address this, not only on a personal and professional level with our patients under our care, Mm -hmm. but also how can we become more open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do into breathing life into like this healthcare situation Mm -hmm. and these kinds of times. Like what is it that we are called to do and how are we called to like respond to this kind of suffering and again, I don't have any specific answers for you, mm-hmm. but um, I do know that there are local organizations that are trying to share information about prevention and um, of euthanasia and also like just being alongside people who are suffering. I think mm-hmm. we, if we have healthier communities and such as like the Dying Healed program or mm-hmm. Euthanasia Prevention Coalition, but also just like, I think if we strive towards building healthier communities that could be another way as well to not only support patients but also like ourselves um as nurses i really appreciate the fact that you do pray for patients and their families in such difficult times and that's something that i can really appreciate and i feel like we definitely need more of that in our healthcare system because i think resources and the system and policy aside we do need good nurses and healthcare practitioners, doctors who just have a good moral conscience and who strive for excellence in their job and in their work. And 
I just wanted to thank you for doing that. The last question I have for you is how you have seen your own feminine genius grow and work through you through your nursing career. Thank you for thanking <laughs> nurses and medical professionals. I think ugh, this sounds so cliche, but like love is the answer. I say it in such a way, but I believe that it is. Like what does love look like? Mm-hmm. We can look to the cross and like learn so much about what that looks like. Incarnate, I guess. And hopefully we can have conversations, not only like nurses and doctors as like our jobs or whatever to make sure patients are cared for but like these are our family members that are sick these are ourselves (laughs) we are going to get sick how can we make it a better experience I mean there will always be suffering but like in what way can we support each other through that Uh, are there conversations that we need to have more of and like can people have just better support systems in general but I'm grateful that there are people that I I admire, that I work with, who are just strong advocates, um, charge nurses, managers, mm-hmm. and not only them, obviously, like, of course, bedside nurses, but, like, there are so many people that are hidden that really care, and, and maybe they're not frontline, maybe they're not mm-hmm. right at the bedside, too, but that they're really pushing for people to get the care that they need, mm-hmm. and I just think it's so important to, like, mention that those people are like exist despite like the resources that are lacking and everything like that so mm-hmm. so i've experienced the feminine genius in my work through just being a witness to the feminine genius just to femininity mm-hmm. and the beauty of that and how unique every person like man but like every woman is there's this young girl that I was able to care for and just had this the biggest smile and like so gentle. She was nonverbal, had developmental delay and like mm-hmm. lived her life in a wheelchair. And the first like that of that kind of like young person I'd ever been able to care for and just being able to feed her and like how she was just like cheerfully receiving my clumsy way of giving her food. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a gift, gift to me and I just like never forgot how like her beautiful smile. It's amazing to me how giving women are in so many different ways and just experiencing that and witnessing that among co-workers who are mothers and even exp- like even when I was able to witness a c-section. Mm-hmm. So I believe they they're in a cruciform position so your left arm is stretched out and they take their blood pressure from one arm on the operating table and your right arm is also perhaps an IV access so basically in a shape of a cross during a c-section mm-hmm. or the one that I saw and it was the first time I'd ever seen one before and as the obstetrician gynecologist was removing the baby like it was just a very Eucharistic image for me. Like, this is my body given for you. Like, my blood shed for you. Mm -hmm. And in in a unique way, women are invited to participate in that. And so I was just amazed when I first saw that. Just Mm -hmm. like, wow, like, women are built to handle so much. To carry another human and, like, feed it inside and outside. (laughs) Um, And just to be able to, like, raise families and... I just constantly think of the other. Maybe not all women might have a particular draw to physical motherhood, say, but we have that capacity to be able to give of ourselves in a very unique and special way, however that is manifested. 
Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that um, kind of meditation that I've been able to have just from work. I'm also constantly inspired by the resilience in others, using our gifts of analysis to think of like what is the best thing that we can do for this patient at this time. Whether it's nurturing mm-hmm. by by stepping in and doing for somebody mm-hmm. who maybe can't move their arm or stepping away and forcing them to use their arm that they might need to use because they've they've become deconditioned and they need to practice it and like kind of you know they need to work on it so it kind of depends you have to know when you're stepping in to help or stepping away so that the patient can improve on their own without needing us so that's kind of been an interesting experience through nursing and then something that I can take away with in my own life. Like, at which point am I called to, like, step in and, like, be nurturing? And when should I step away? I remember you were also sharing with me earlier that you had a poem that you wanted to share. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about why you wrote it and we can hear it. Yeah, so during Lent this year, I was in a group that challenged us to reflect on a station of the cross. And so I chose one based on a painting or a sketch that I saw that I was inspired by. And I think it was just relevant to nursing profession, but also perhaps um, a reflection on our femininity. And sometimes all we can give is a gift of presence, but yet it can be a comfort to another. And sometimes all we can do is just to be with someone and we don't have to say much or if anything Um, And sometimes that's enough for the other person. Mm. And so the name of this poem is called Veronica's Offering. Veronica's Offering. Press your face against this fresh, soft linen, Jesus. It's all I can give. Whatever profession you're in or whatever circumstance you're in, to do that, to be there for someone, to care for them, we just can be ourselves. And sometimes... All he asks is us for us to just be there, to be with him, to see him in another person, and just to be present and to give all that we can. And that's all he asks. Thank you again to Sheena Devota for sharing some of her time and her story with me. And I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Feminine Genius Podcast. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We are also on social media at FemGeniusPod. As well, you can stream this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Finally, I wanted to give a heads up that I will be taking a much-needed break for the next two weeks. I will be back on September 7th with a brand new episode of the show. But, of course, I wanted to thank you guys for just taking the time to listen for all of your support and kind words. I want to mention that it doesn't go unnoticed, and I really, really appreciate the love that you all have shown me. This truly has been such an eye-opening and heartwarming experience, and I want to promise and assure you that this is just the beginning. So please stay tuned, but otherwise, for the next two weeks, you can definitely go back and binge all previous episodes, re-listen or share whatever your favorite episode was, 
And I look forward to being back on September 7th with you all for another brand new episode. So from myself here at the Feminine Genius Podcast, I am super grateful and thank you so much for listening. 